Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi everyone, thanks for being here tonight. Tonight we're going to discuss bug-out vehicles. You know, a lot of people romanticize the bug-out vehicle. They get the idea of something along the lines of those Mad Max vehicles, remember from the movie with Mel Gibson mm-hmm. way back a long time ago, and very futuristic, oddball, very odd and strange, armor-plated, you know, bug-out vehicles. Oh, We've, there's some great memes out there oh, yes. about bug-out vehicles. and Sure, some of them are photoshopped. But some of them are real. Mm -hmm. I sent you a picture of an Odyssey van that was jacked up and had huge mud tires on it that I actually ran into one day. Oh, wow. Yeah, like a monster truck. Yeah, that was a Honda Odyssey on a monster (laughs) truck body. (laughs) Love it. So, you know, the folks will put monster tires on RVs, on all kinds of trucks, even school buses. I saw one, and this had to be photoshopped, had a 50 caliber machine gun, chain guns. I've seen a Volkswagen on tank tracks. Mm -hmm. No doubt that was photoshopped. Uh Corvette with off-road tires and a mounted 50 caliber. This one was really good. A Volkswagen bus on giant Star Wars legs. Like the big, uh, yeah, like those big walking ships that had these... You know, 100-foot legs. There's some SUVs that also have these great, big, enormous, giant tires and cow catchers Mm -hmm. welded to the front, also some mounted 50 cals. Quite an assortment of military-looking trucks, the Humvees, Hummers, pickup trucks, Broncos, and Trailblazers. Yeah, now my favorite was the 1970s Ford Bronco with an open top, had sandbags around on top of it had jerry cans mounted for fuel, had stinger missiles loaded in the back and a mounted fifty caliber on the roll bar, and a mounted saw or squad automatic weapon machine gun for the driver. You know, it's kind of fun to imagine having one of those to call your bug out vehicle. But you know, unless the zombies or the aliens are actually attacking it's probably more of a novelty than it is something practical. So, But if we owned a brick-and-mortar prepping supply store, we would definitely have one sitting out front. <laughs> we would have to. So, in all seriousness, since there's always a possibility of having to bug out, and sometimes that we really must bug out, why don't we discuss some considerations for bug-out vehicles? For example, what is the event? What's happening that is leading you, motivating you, or forcing you to bug out? Mm -hmm. What do you think would be some things? Well, hurricane. We've gone through that recently. Mm -hmm. Ida has been through the last couple of weeks, and there's been several tropical storms since then. I think Nicholas became a hurricane, too. Yes, and I think it's on shore now. Uh If not, it's very close. And my thoughts on a bug-out vehicle for a hurricane is take the fastest one you have. Just get in and go. Just get in and go. Get in and go, yeah. Go go Uh with the fastest vehicle you have in that case. So a hurricane could cause you to bug out. A wildfire could Mm -hmm. cause you to bug out. And a lot of times you have a little bit more notice maybe on those two things where a tornado doesn't give you a lot of time. It's not easy to bug out for a tornado unless you're going to the local shelter in town and 
there are some times that you need to do that. If you live in a mobile home or you live in a camper, you need to get out during a tornado and you need to head toward that community shelter or whatever's being provided for a shelter because you cannot stay safely in either of those during a tornado. Now, something else you've got to ask yourself is where are you going? What will you need when you get there? Are you heading to a hotel or a motel? Are you heading to an Airbnb? If you're going to places like that, maybe you just need some clothes and some snacks. Well, you know, during Hurricane Ida, and we're in North Alabama, we're 300 miles from the coast, and there's an Airbnb next door to us, and there was a lady and a couple of dogs out there, and I said, oh, how long are you here for? And she, she said, I don't know, at least Tuesday, we're... We're refugees, and she used that word, we're refugees from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So yes, they right. had bugged out. They loaded up some clothes and decided to do an Airbnb vacation. And you're talking about what makes you have to leave. And you could have that knock on the door in the middle of the night, and you've got three minutes to get out because of a hazardous material spill Right. Nearby. You know, we're not that far away from a train track. Mm-mm. And there have been times when derailments have caused people in like anywhere from a one mile to maybe a five mile radius mm-hmm. to have to leave because of airborne chemicals or liquid flammable liquid spills and yep. the types of things like that that could cause air and water issues mm-hmm. and you'd have to leave. That kind of situation, if you're going to the, the hotel or the motel for the night, grab a change of clothes and go. Grab that bug out bag, which ought to already have a change or two of clothes in it and go. You you don't have mm-hmm. time to waste around there. Okay. If you've got time, grab up a few snacks or whatever and take those to the hotel or the motel. If you actually have a bug out location, we do know that there are folks out there that have a secondary residence or a secondary place they can go. We'll just refer to that as the little cabin in the woods kind of thing or what But have now you. that could also be a family member's house in another area of town or another city. Yeah, of course. I mean, we have family members we can go to anywhere from 50 miles, 100 miles, or 400 miles away from here. Exactly. So, yes, if you're going to someone's residence or a residence of your own, it's likely that you've already stocked it with food and provisions, clothing, the types of things you may need for ever how long you believe you're going to be. That's another consideration. How much do you need to carry? You know, if we need to transport a lot of supplies, we might need to consider using a trailer. So Mm -hmm. you might want to have a trailer hitch on one of your vehicles and a small trailer. And we have a five foot by 10 foot utility trailer that's generally used for mowers and wood and just general use. But we could load that thing up with totes of food and equipment and strap them down and head right on out. And then you have to ask, well, how far do you need to go? Will you need to refuel? Now, hopefully, you practical preppers out there have followed that half tank rule where if you get to a half tank, go ahead and fill up and try to stay filled up as much as you possibly can. We realize that that might not always apply in every case, but if you have to refuel, you may need to choose a route where you at least believe you can top off your tank on your way or even carry some of your extra prep fuel with you. Take some of those one-gallon, possibly three-gallon, or even a five-gallon with you, if at all possible, and to do it safely. Yeah, for the back of our Jeep, we have one of those carriers, and it's a wire mesh-type carrier with the little three-inch sides on it, and it just plugs into the receiver hitch. Right. 
And so if we had to bug out, we just stick that thing in, plug the pin in, lock it down, put those five-gallon jugs on there that we have, run a strap through the handles of those and down to each side and lock that thing down, and here we go. We're carrying our extra fuel with us. Now, if it's a really serious situation now, you may have to realize that you may find folks along the way that may want the fuel that you have. Uh, exactly. So try to... Just be prepared. Be prepared and try to pack things maybe in such a way that doesn't appear to be terribly obvious. Mm -hmm. If at all possible, cover your gas cans with a a tarp or a blanket or a sheet or something. Maybe you just look like a bag of clothes or something. Now, are you going to have to stop along the way? And that depends on where you're going, what the situation is. But depending on that situation, and this is just something to think through now, where are you going? How far away is that? Do I need to have extra fuel? Anytime we travel, I want to have enough fuel to get to where we're going, at least to get off the highway. But will you have to stop along the way? Do you need to carry camping equipment? Do you need to carry cooking gear? How much food and water do you need to carry? You also have to be aware of whatever your conditions are, your weather conditions, your seasonal conditions. Are you going to be heading out in a blinding blizzard? Or are you going to be heading out in a devastatingly hot, desert hot type summer? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to prepare your vehicle for a, a snow situation, a hot summer situation, a mid-seasonal situation. Be very aware, too, that if you're heading out because of any kind of weather If raining or flooding has been the greatest issue where you are, and that has been more of an effect inland from these hurricanes Mm -hmm. than actually at the coast, that you've got to be extremely careful about not driving into even what would appear to be shallow water in the neighborhood because a very few inches of water can get you floating. It can, but you don't know unless you know that road, like the road you live on, you don't know if that road dips and what looks like it's a few inches deep, maybe a few feet deep. And Here lately, there's been some folks that have had roads to just wash away. Oh, yeah. The water gets up underneath and it cracks it. Sad situation in yeah, Mississippi, some, those three fatalities. folks killed when the road just collapsed. So at all possible, if you're facing terrible flooding or flash flooding in your area, getting in a bug-out vehicle and driving may not be the course of action for you. This is where you may just try to reach out for help and let help come to you. Well, if you have to bug out, certainly remember that saying, turn around, don't drown. Exactly. Don't, don't. try to drive through because your car can get right. carried away. If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. Now, if you're driving in snow, if you have a 4x4, that's a very good time to be using that four-wheel drive. And one of the reasons that it's so good is 4x4 gives you front drive and rear drive. And if you do not have a four-wheel drive and you must go in snow, if you have a front-wheel drive vehicle, take that over the rear-wheel drive. It will give you better traction or have snow chains for those as well. How about debris? 
you need a pretty sturdy vehicle if you're going to be having to drive through some debris. You may need something with some high ground clearance. Definitely some very substantial tires. You can pick up tacks and nails and things in there. And some of these vehicles, some of these tires with very substantial mud tires on them, they'll withstand a roofing tack and not give you a flat. Okay. Now let's get a little bit more specific and talk about specific things. Now we've talked about the wildfires, the floods, the weather events, the volcanoes, earthquakes. Just use what vehicle you have. You don't and need chemical to, spills too. And mm-hmm. yeah, any of those kinds of things. You don't need to be worrying about what kind of vehicle it is. You need to use the vehicle you have. But now be aware that some weather events will cause road blockages and be very careful driving over lumber or roofing or debris that may be in the roadway. And if at all possible, be have your bearings about you when you know that a specific location of concern, a chemical spill, a flooding, or earthquake, volcano, weather event, try to locate that event and travel in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we don't want you to drive into a hurricane. We don't want you to drive into a wildfire. We want you to drive away from those things. And in chemical spills, if you can, if you get that knock at the door, just ask, where is it? We've got three directions that we can leave from right here. From the driveway, we can go three different directions, east, south, and north. And if it's to our east, we're going west point is we're going to try to go the opposite direction and if the wind's blowing we want to travel upwind unless that is traveling toward the fuel right that's why you want to know if if the spill is south of you go north if the Mm -hmm. spill is north of you go south and etc so here here's an interesting thought when talking about bugging out let's just kind of take it to the next level and talk about what might happen after an emp which is an electromagnetic pulse or a CME, which is a coronal mass ejection. Now, explain quickly, Mark, if you would, what happens if either of those two things occur, and then why do we need to have a concern about bugging out? Well, I'm doing a lot of research on that right now. I've been planning to put together an EMP, CME, detailed podcast in the very near future, and I've done a lot of research on that. You know, there's conflicting opinions by leading industry experts on exactly what would happen to modern vehicles in the event of an EMP. Now, an EMP is a man-made electromagnetic pulse, and basically what it is is a nuclear explosion a couple of hundred miles above ground in the atmosphere, and that puts out a large magnetic pulse, and it will certainly take down the electrical grid. There's no doubt about that. All the experts seem to agree that any type of an EMP would take out the electrical grid. Now, where it really differs is how much damage there would be to modern-day vehicles. Now, anything 70s and back that doesn't have all the computer chips and stuff, those should be fine. It's believed that most vehicles will experience some type of issue, but not all of them or most of them will not be totally and permanently disabled. A lot of experts believe that they will die at that point in time, but they'll be able to be started back up. Now, you may have a lot of lights on on the dash or something, but they do believe that, and this depends on the height, the distance from it, you know, those kinds of things. 
So I'm still doing a lot of research on that. But if you're in an older model vehicle that doesn't have all the computer chips in it, you should be perfectly fine. We'll probably be okay with the others. Now the CME, the coronal mass ejection, that's when the sun gets upset and sends huge amounts of energy toward us. And we saw that in the 1859 Carrington event that set some telegraph offices on fire and burned up some of the equipment. And it's very well believed that we're due to see one of those in our lifetime that very well may take out the grid. Okay, so moving on, here's something else to think about. What if our community is suffering under a civil unrest? If your area is experiencing any type of a civil unrest, you need to be on top of that as far as the intel. You need to be finding out information. You need to know what's going on. And if you're outside the impact zone, just use what you have, take what you can, and go get out of there. Your life is not worth whatever you might leave behind. Now, if you're within the impact zone, and this is in the area where the riot is going on, you might need to wait a little while before leaving. It might not be safe at that time, but you also might need to travel in something that would go off the roadway. This is a situation where you may be having to drive through the medians You may be having to get around blockages. They may be pulling dumpsters or trash cans into the roadway and setting up blockades there. And you may want something that you can go around that. Or either something that's higher gives you better visibility and something that you could go across some of those things as well. That's just some things to think about there. And what about if society's just totally gone into the toilet? Well, that's where you have to just evaluate the risk. You know, we have said over and over again, always make a current threat assessment, small or large. What is your threat assessment? And if societal collapse is happening, evaluate your risk. Are you safer to leave than to stay? That's the only criteria to that decision. You need to be able to decide when to leave if that's what you need to do. Statistically, the early morning actually may be better than, say, later in the day or the afternoon. Decide what you need to take. The first priority is to stay alive and not be hurt. If you're trying to stay back behind and pack up every single thing of sentimental value to you, you're wasting precious time, and it could cost you your life. Mm -hmm. You've just got to know that at some point, if your life really was on the line, that you literally need to pick up and go. We're not trying to scare anyone, but we want you to start thinking about these things now before anything like this has happened or could happen. Don't wait and try to figure out a plan when you're in the middle of that stress. Just know that if you've got to pick up and go and you can worry about your material things later, just let it go and just get out. All right. How about zombies? Well, of course, you'd put zombies, you mm-hmm. know, in this zombie. We, you can define that any way you want to. But in our notes, Mark has written that if you're going to need a bug out vehicle to deal with zombies, basically his advice to you is make sure that you're driving something with a substantial bumper and very good wipers. Mm-hmm. Wink. Um, <laughs> and I think this also applies to the alien invasion. Well, I really don't have an answer to that. You know, those little fellas can travel at the speed of the light and they shoot those green blobs at you. With their death ray guns? With their death ray guns. Right. And so just proceed at your own risk with that. And 
drop us an email with some of the photographs of them as well, because we know some of you or somebody out there will be videoing those with the phone rather than <laughs> bugging out. So. <laughs> right. All right. What do you carry? Well, depending on the reason and the amount of advance notice, you've got some options here that you may have to think about. So this is where planning and forethought really come into play to help you out. If it's a, say, a hazardous material or chemical spill, if it's a flash flood, you may have five to ten minutes or less of mm-hmm. notice. So you may just need to have some things at the ready, a, a get-home bag, a bug-out bag, your emergency binder, maybe a change of clothes. And if you're permitted where you live, your weapons. You may just need mm-hmm. to go ahead and have some weapons to go there. Yeah, if you carry those. If you've got something going on like a wildfire, and I realize wildfires can catch and travel pretty quickly. They do, but usually you know it's there. Exactly. Sometimes there's actually, in some cases, a a number of days of notice Mm -hmm. while they're fighting the fire, trying to contain it. You may have several days or a week or so, and that may give you more time to be able to pull things together and really get well away from the area. Now, when that thing changes, it may be coming at you rapidly. But if there's a wildfire anywhere around and you think, oh, we'll we'll be okay on this one. We don't need to worry about it. Go ahead and put some stuff at the door. Go ahead and put some stuff in the car. Get ready. You can always take it back out, put it back in the closet, wherever you need to keep it. But you may not have but an hour. And wildfire winds can change. Mm-hmm. The firefighters will tell you fire is very unpredictable, and it literally will go anywhere the wind will push it. Mm -hmm. And if it's a very highly drought situation or if you're living in one of those areas where there's just nothing but dry tinder everywhere around, you may have to face the fact that your house, your dwelling, your apartment, wherever it is you're living, may be on the line. And so you just need to leave. So grab those things that we talked about a minute ago when when you just have a few minutes notice that you have to leave, like your emergency binder, your get-home bag, your bug-out bag with some changes of clothes and your weapons. And if you've got just a couple of hours, go ahead and throw some of your valuables in there, throw some photographs, throw some more clothes, and, you know, the things that are important to you. But make sure you know where that fire is at that point in time. You don't want to bug out late and get cut off from the exit route on the way. It may not be that close to your house right then, but it may be cutting off the exit route. So stay aware of that. And some other possibilities of things that you could take with you. You might be wanting to take some food supplies. You might take some camping gear with you, extra propane, extra fuel for your vehicle. Whatever things that you have the time to take to be able to load those up. And I think part of tonight's podcast is not that you need to build this great big bug out vehicle. It doesn't have to be an old converted school bus with machine guns on four sides of it. But just be thinking through, if we have to leave, most likely we're either going in a Jeep Patriot or we're going in a Captiva, a Chevrolet Captiva little SUV. Just regular cars. So they're regular cars. And that's what we would be doing. But we would be keeping an eye out to know if we need to leave early and what our routes need to be as we leave here. So think through that. Don't worry so much about building a big monster truck with giant tires on it or 
or converting an RV or a school bus or a tank. And though I think a tank would be a pretty cool bug. You'd out like vehicle. a tank. I'd like a tank. I'd yeah. be right there with Tim Allen on that one. <laughs> you know, there would be no roadblocks. <laughs> I guess not. You could go over it or through it one way or the other. Anything else you want to add tonight? Well, just give it some thought. We want you to understand this stuff happens, and we want you to stay prepared. All right. We'll see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.